done that. Money! Yes. If you're like me, and I know I am, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who isn't? It's sweeping the nation. But only real fans, true hardcore fans, who have been with us since the beginning would know two undeniably real and in no way made up in the fat made up on the fly facts about the both of us two facts about the two of us america's hottest podcasting couple bunny and steve first and foremost bunny is the fact that when you're not doing the podcast you perform exorcisms so tell us bunny what kind of exorcisms pray tell is it that you actually do uh, I I do entomological um exorcisms. Mm. Uh, you know, mm. people do not realize that you know demons can protect uh can possess humans. Demons can possess pigs and other animals. Uh, they can also uh possess insects. Uh, so it's really hard to diagnose an insect of demonic possession. Yes. Uh, a lot of the things are, like, kind of out the window. Because, you know, a lot of bugs, you squeeze them, green shit comes out their mouth. Yeah. You know, so it's inconclusive in the blood, in the bug exorcism world very you know, true very uh, true so basically we will take a bug and we'll torture it for a while until an angel tells us to set it free yeah yeah that that sounds right that sounds yeah. right that's that's the scale we're using uh in the in the Bug exorcism field. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. Bugsorcisms. Bugsorcisms. Yeah, bugsorcisms. And the second fact that you know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do at this part of the podcast is find a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximation! Dun, 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 dun. Or SHAP, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name SHAP. It's short, but it's strong, like any male actor standing next to Gwyneth Paltrow. Fun fact about Gwyneth Paltrow, she's like 5'10". So during the Marvel movies, Robert Downey Jr. was in super tall shoes with a bit of heels, and Gwyneth Paltrow would be barefoot to try and change the height discrepancy. Uh So every time you see the two of them together, she is barefoot. I find that absolutely fascinating. Ab-fab. Anywho! That's that's also, also probably why there was the whole pit design, too. Yeah, she's in a pit. She's in a trench, like that one Money Python skit. Anywho, today's chap isn't about noted batshit nutjob fake health quack Gwyneth Paltrow. No, 
Today's chap is about a surprising subject with a surprising thesis. The subject is Janine Deckers, a.k.a. Sorcery, a.k.a. the one and only original singing nun. Okay. And the thesis is the singing nun was fucking cool as fuck and my new goddamn hero. Okay. The singing nun was awesome. Anyway, here's the story. She was born Jean-Paul Marie Deckers in Belgium in 1933 and grew up to be quite the tomboy but was also very religious and at the age of 15 she had a premonition that she would become a nun so as a teen growing up she considered the life a life as a nun in a convent and she taught scripture to very young children and joined a young girls catholic group and at camp a summer camp, she met someone, a fellow teenage girl named Ann Petcher. Annie Petcher. And together they would become best friends, BFFs. They would become close, very close. Extremely close. Okay. (laughs) Remember that, Annie Petcher. That'll be important. Put a pin on that. This segment is single-handedly the pin business from going out of business. Yeah. We are propping up the pin industry. We're in the pocket of big pin. Yes. Which is something that not a lot of people know about. So in 1959, at the age of 26, uh, our girl, Jean Paul Marie Deckers, enters the convent and becomes a sister in the order of the Dominican Sisters of Our Lady of Fitchermont, where she takes the name Sister Luke Gabrielle. Okay. While she's in the convent, she starts writing music and playing music, and people seem to like it. The convents have visitors, you know, and visitors are hearing her playing her music and they like it so much so that her sister superiors come to her with an idea. Look, we've got an idea, kind of crazy, outside of the box thinking, but hear me out. You have music, people like it, you're playing it, it's very good music. What if you go out of the convent? You record a little album of music. You go out, record a little album of your original music, and we can sell it right here at the convent. I don't know. We can set up a gift shop. I don't know. We can sell your little record to our guests and visitors, and this will be a fun, special little way for us to make a little extra money. So our hero... Uh, Sister Luke Gabrielle is her name now. She agrees to her sister superior's idea and goes off to record an album. In 1962, she records an album and surprise, surprise, from out of nowhere, like a Randy Orton RKO, a year later, 
one of her songs from the album, a Belgian-French song called Dominique, becomes an overnight worldwide smash fucking hit. <laughs> Outselling Elvis during its stay on the Billboard 100. Elvis, in his prime, was knocked out of the top spot by some random singing nun. What year was this again? Belgium. Huh? What year was this again? Uh, she recorded the album in 1962 and 1963. Okay, that makes... Okay, that, I'm thinking about something else, but, you know, like, right around that time, we, we had kind of a... a non-splosion. Yeah, yeah, it's because of her and her song, Dominique. Just imagine being a nun in a small convent. You have no money. You have nothing to your name. And then suddenly you find yourself on Ed Sullivan and you're nominated for Record of the Year for your small album that was going to be sold at a gift shop. <laughs> Talk about a goddamn culture shock. But all was not perfect for our hero. For starters, she uh, spent her entire life dealing with depression, extreme depression. So when she started working on songs for her album, she's like, I deal with depression. I will write songs about depression, and this will help people deal with her depression. But her sisters are like, you can't write songs about being sad. Yeah. People will think that nuns are all sad. So her fellow sisters would censor her music. Yeah. Like, I imagine she's like, okay, I know I'm a nun, and um, uh, I've devoted my life to the Lord, but also, um, fuck that. Yeah. And they wouldn't allow her to record songs about sadness and depression. That's kind of messed up. So she's being censored by her fellow nuns, number one. Secondly, the recording contract that she signed royally screwed her the fuck over. Okay. I imagine the recording company is just like, oh, so you're a nun. Oh, kept a vow of chastity, have you? Oh, isn't that interesting? Have you also kept a vow of poverty? You have. Interesting. Okay, so here's the recording contract. It states that I get, uh, let's say, 95% of all of the record sales. Yeah. And the other five, uh, yeah, can go directly to your convent. Not to you. Uh, you have uh, signed. Uh, you 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 have uh, made a vow of poverty. I can't give you money. Yeah, it will go directly to the convent. So the record company kept ninety five percent of all album sales, and the convent got the rest. So she has the best selling album on the planet, the number one song in the entirety of Earth. But she had no money got no money from it, and was living in a very small... I imagine it's like the place she was living was like where uh, Zero lived in um, uh, that Wes Anderson film. The hotel 
Oh, uh, okay. What's that called? A hotel Budapest? The Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, okay. Yeah. She has the number one album on the planet, the number one song in the planet, and she has no money and nothing to her name, and she's living in a tiny, you know, storage closet. Like, that's fucked up. That's really fucked up. Yes. So her number one album was an all-time smash hit, and in 1964, she records a follow-up album called Her Joys, Her Songs. No one wants it. No one buys it. The album bombs. Not to mention the fact that she can't record the songs that she wants. She's making, she's seeing no money from being a number one smash hit. All of this devastates her. She's also dealing with depression, but she's not allowed to deal with it as a nun. Plus, there's a lot of friction growing between her and the Catholic Church. Suddenly, when you really think about it in 1973, 1974, she becomes the face of nuns everywhere. She becomes a sort of de, de facto spokesperson for the entirety of the Catholic Church, second only to the goddamn Pope. I dare say you probably saw more of the singing nun than you saw the freaking Pope back then. <laughs> and the Catholic Church is getting a bit pissed off about it. Say she's doing an interview, she talks about dealing with depression, suddenly the Pope is like, hey, a singing nun, why the fuck are you doing that? Shut the fuck up! <laughs> impression. Hey, a singing nun, what the fuck are you doing? Stop talking about the, the depression, we break your legs. Hey! So they're getting pissed. So... In 1966, just as Debbie Reynolds is starring in the film The Singing Nun, for which the actual singing nun saw zero dollars, oh. they made a movie of her life story, which you would go on to later say, 100% fiction. Nothing in that movie actually happened. They just took her name, her likeness, and her song and made a movie about her life, which wasn't about her life, and she got no money from it. While yeah. this was happening, Janine Deckers, a.k.a. Sister Luke Gabrielle, leaves the covent, leaves the convent, <laughs> Which is what the Catholic Church says. Oh, she left her the church. She had a hard time being a Catholic. Fuck her. Listen to me. I'm with a popa. But uh, uh, I'm just I'm just laughing because leaving the covent is something completely different. <laughs> yeah, I, I I read the word wrong. So uh the Catholic Church is like, yes, yeah, she has left the church. She's complete she's gone. She's outskies. But Janine Deckers would later admit, I didn't leave shit. They kicked me out of Catholicism. <laughs> like, literally, the Pope is like, we gotta do something about this fucking singing nun. Fucking, let's get her out. Hey! Yahoo! Uh, so, like, they kick her out of the church, and remember, She's penniless. The yeah. convent and the record company kept all of the money that she made from her number one hit. So she gets kicked out of the convent, kicked out of the Catholic Church, and she is 100% fucking poor despite having the number one song in all of existence. How fucked up is that? Yeah. 
And what is worse is that the woman writes the world's biggest song. She makes no money off of it. The Catholic Church kicks her out. She's broke penniless, even when Debbie Reynolds is being her in America's number one movie. And when she tries to continue her music career, the record company shows up and they're like, here's the thing. We own the name The Singing Nun. You left the convent? You can't be the singing nun anymore. We own that name. The convent and I own that name. The Catholic Church owns the name The Singing Nun. You want to keep recording music? Fine. Record it as your own name. You can't record under the name Sister Luke Gabrielle. You can't record under the name of sorcery or whatever that nickname was that they gave her. You can't record under the name Singing Nun. Fuck you. We own your name. That is she, the singing nun isn't allowed to record as the singing nun anymore. So she starts recording new music. It's not selling. She's recording albums as Janine Deckers. No one knows who the fuck Janine Deckers is. Yeah. So it's so sad what, what they did to her, what they all did to her, especially the Catholic Church. So it's the late 60s. She's trying to hit it big again as herself. She's understandably upset. The Catholic Church screwed her over. The Catholic Church kicked her out of the Catholic Church. What the fuck you got to do to do that? They're covering up pedophiles. Yes. So finally, Janine Deckers just says, you know what? I'm sorry to curse, but to heck with the Catholic Church. Yeah, I said it. To heck with them. And in 1967, she pisses them the hell off. <laughs> she records a new song. The title is, this is 1967. Yes. She records a new song called Glory Be to God for the Golden Pill. Okay. A pro-contraception song in 1967 America. A bold-ass move for a former freaking nun. She had balls, and I love this woman. Yeah. She is on, she is on like, the periphery of my memory. Yeah, yeah. That's why she... I thought that, this, that the thesis of this... Uh, the thesis of this chat might be difficult for some people to swallow because, it, and I've said this a million times before, I am shocked that more people don't know about this woman's life. Well, didn't I? Well, see, like, I, I, I want to ask a question, but I'm afraid I'm going to spoil part of it. Then don't. Okay. Then don't. Then do not. Because we're there's so much more. Okay. So the Catholic Church is pissed at Janine Deckers, the former Catholic nun. They are pissed at the former singing nun. She writes a pro-conception song, a pro-God pro-conception song, and the Catholic Church loses their shit. They get so mad at her that Deckers was all set to do a concert in Canada, and Canada's like, hey, we're not American, we're not Catholic, come on in, we'll do a big concert, and everyone's really excited. But the Catholic Church in Canada said, okay, 
we don't ever do this. We forbid the concert. Okay. It's like it's like in Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade when uh, the blonde guy gets the the memo in the limousine and he's like, "Well, looks like Adolf Hitler just declared war on the Jones boys." Yeah, the <laughs> Catholic Church just like, "Okay, we forbid Janine Decker's to have the concert in Canada." And so the venue cancels it. Oh. What the fuck do you do when the Pope says don't have this concert? Like, this doesn't happen. So the venue's like, okay, I guess we're canceling the concert. And then after that, a number of other big venues across the world also cancel. And they're like, oh, shit, Canada canceled the concert? Well, I guess we're canceling it, too. And so the Catholic Church personally went out of their way to cancel her tour. Damn! Yeah. It's crazy. She tried to release another album, but again, it bombed. No one knows who she is. She has a nervous breakdown and spends two years in psychotherapy. This all seems bad. She hit a high, and then she couldn't really even celebrate it. And then she's hitting low after low after low. It all seems bad. However, there is one bit of happiness. She's out of the convent. She's like, I'm out of the convent. I'm penniless. I have nothing to my name. I have no one. Who's going to help me? You know what? I did used to have a friend, didn't I? (laughs) That girl from summer camp back in the day. And we became BFFs and we would hang out. We lived near each other. We were childhood friends, teenage friends. I'll give her a call. So she reconnects with Annie Petcher. They get back in contact with each other. They hit it off, and they move in together. Okay. Now, in 1967, for a single woman to uh, become BFFs with another single woman and move in together where they spend all of their time together, that was a bit scandalous. And people accused her of being gay, and Janine Decker wrote, and I quote, I deny these rumors. I am not homosexual. Anyone who cannot understand this fact can go to the devil, which is a phrase I've never heard before. That is what she wrote. But Janine Decker's biographer, Catherine Savat, says basically, look, she had to say that. It was 1967. They were totally lesbians for each other. So, you know, sure, Janine Decker's life is shit, and the Catholic Church royally screwed her over, but at least she found someone, you know? At least she found someone, and they were together, and they were in love. In the 70s, she tried going by the name Sister Smile, and she was a bit successful. But then, oh, they're not done screwing over the singing nun, Jesus Christ. In the late 70s, the Federal Public Service Finance Company organization, basically the IRS, but in Belgium. Yeah. The Belgian IRS comes a-knocking, and they say, okay, back taxes for you. You owe us $63,000 in back taxes from your huge musical hit. You owe us $63,000. 
and she tries to say no. I was a nun at the time. The covenant took all the convent. God damn, the convent took all my money, and then the record company took the rest of it. I didn't actually make any money. I do not owe that. But the country is all sorry. Tough titties. You owe us sixty-three thousand dollars in nineteen seventy. So she she's like, I gotta make money. I I owe so much, and I have so little. So she's so she tries like, like how desperate she, do you gotta be? She releases a disco version of Dominique. Okay. She even made a video for it. It's on YouTube. I've seen it. It's horrible. <laughs> But, it, but I had to see it because that's the last footage of her that exists. So I had yeah. to see it. Like, shit, I got to track down the disco version of Dominique. I hope it's on YouTube. There it is. All right. I never should doubt YouTube. Of course, the disco version of Dominique is on YouTube. But, yeah, it's pretty laughably bad. So Janine Post the link. Wife, but, uh, yeah, she tried to score a hit with a disco version of Dominique, but that went nowhere. Her life is in the toilet. She can't pay the money she owes the government. The government is on her ass. The government is trying to ruin her, just like the Catholic Church did. Imagine dedicating your entire life to a religion who said, Nah, we don't want you to dedicate our, your life to us. Get the fuck out. Yeah. She tries getting her her money, but number one, the convent gives her a bit of money, and they're like, okay, you've come to us, you've, you're asking for money, and here is a small amount. Ah, but there's a catch. You have to stop throwing shade on the convent and admit in writing that we don't owe you any money anymore, and we have paid you fairly. Oh. You admit that, we'll give you this tiny amount of money comparable to the massive amount that you made for us. Uh, and then the record company, who kept 95% of her revenue, said, oh, you signed a contract. We ain't giving you shit. Oh. So she had the number one greatest hit record of all time, of all music ever, and she was paid, like, a small amount of money. So sadly, it's the 80s, and Janine Decker just owes so much money, and her music career is going nowhere. So in 1985, her... And her lesbian lover, Annie Petcher, both commit suicide together with alcohol and pills, which is really sad. And I'm just going to come out and say it. The Catholic Church killed the singing nun. Yeah. I feel that that is a safe story to say. The Catholic Church fucking killed the singing nun. Yeah. And when I Dominique, I, I think of some... None, but the truth is, it was a talented musician who dealt with depression and was a lesbian and was screwed over by the Pope. And goddamn, this is an insane story. More so than fucking Debbie Reynolds smiling and playing a goddamn guitar. Yeah. And I know I've said this at the end of every uh, chat, but I'm just going to say it again. I am shocked that more people don't know of the true story of the singing nut. You yeah. Sing yeah that annoying ass song but god damn she lived a life it is shocking that, that this hasn't been made into like a gritty amazing movie yeah you know like i said she is on she is on the the edge of my memory like 
she is hanging by a thread that is attached to the flying nun memory. Yeah. And, but, like, because I would always get confused when I heard one or the other was going to be someplace at the time when I was about four or five. Yeah. Because the singing nun would pop up on, like, Dinah Shore, Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas, like all of the afternoon talk shows that we don't really have anymore. Yeah. You know? The singing nun would pop up. But if you look just like broadly around and had to target in when nun content or nun like content was when was the golden day for nuns? Huh? Nunmania Nun was you. sweeping the country. And it would I be have always right... had a thing for Sally Field. Yeah, and always. it would be right there. Always. And I'm wondering how much is inspired, actually inspired by the singing nun. Because, yeah, right there we have, we have the flying nun with Sally Field, which I used to love. Um, we had we had a nun in an Elvis movie. What the fuck movie was it? Change of Habit. Yes. And I think it might have been Diane Cannon. I'm not sure. Or Diane Carroll. I forget exactly her name. Who then went on to Arbus. be to who then went on to be the star of a TV like sitcom called Julia, where she played a nurse. You know, one yeah. of the one of the first black actresses on TV, and she played a nurse in kind of a situation comedy. But I would still call nurse nun adjacent. You know? Yeah. Just like Julie yeah. Andrews in The Sound of Music, again, right around in the same period, is nun-adjacent. She's not exactly yeah, I, a nun, but she kind of passes for a nun. Yeah. Yeah, that was all the singing nun. That was all Janine Deckers. She had such a catchy song that she started nun-sploitation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. But then she got screwed because she was a nun. She made zero dollars. And she That's... was kicked out of the church. That's the, Her story is so messed up. Yeah. Man. I would say this is the worst thing the Catholics have done, but they keep coming up with things. Yeah. More and more things. To, to, to make them hate. To make you hate them. Yeah. But yeah. So that's uh, Shaft this week. The singing nun. She was a badass, and I love her, and she's my new hero, and she got screwed over. Cool. Absolutely screwed over, and committed suicide with her lesbian lover. Yes. She deserved more. So join us next week for more uh, educationally uneducational fun with Steve's Historic Approximations. And cut on that.